0: Hey listeners, there's a new podcast in town. It's called Boozy Blatherings. I know you're gonna love it. It's a drunken vocabulary lesson. Learning while drinking, what could be better than that? It's hosted by the very entertaining Megan Mitlow. Look for it and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a taste of it now.
1: Hi, I'm Megan. I know about four words and three of them are curses. Welcome to my new podcast, Boozy Blatherings. It's the perfect combination of drunk history and Merriam-Webster's word of the day. I'll be your host at this cocktail party where every week we'll have a new guest, we'll learn a new word, and we're gonna have a lot of cocktails. So pour yourself a drink and get cozy because we're gonna have fun. In a second, even though I'm so nervous my voice is shaking, we're gonna get the surprise words. James and I both have a copy of the word, we haven't seen it yet, but we're going to try to pronunciate it for you. And we're gonna try to guess what it means. You ready? Okay, go. Okay, I see it. It's B E L L I C O S E.
0: You know, I want to, I like my knee jerk reaction when I look at this. I know that it is not the right way to pronounce it.
1: I am full blown crying at this moment. <laughs> I, I want to say it's Belle, right? Let's say the, what? let's break it down.
0: Well, I want to I, I, I say I'm going to just, you know what? I'll be the sacrificial lamb. Thank you. Bellicose?
1: Yeah, I was thinking, but I was like, it can be belly. Is it like, Is it like bellicose? Like, be-
2: Is it like varicose veins, but on your stomach?
1: <laughs> Shut the <laughs> mic up. Oh my God.
2: <laughs> hey listeners, for this episode, we're welcoming Lindsay Gerhardt back to the show but this time she'll be on the other side of the table as guest host and talking with her longtime friend and colleague, Ben Greist. Enjoy. Welcome to If This Bar Could Talk, a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell, as well as the storied history of cocktails, spirits, and bars.
1: Welcome to This Bar Could Talk. My name is Lindsay Gerhard. I am the bar manager of Citizens Trust and also the Whiskey Guardian for Ohio of Angels Envy. All right, Ben. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks. I'm glad to be here.
1: Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you work? What are we doing these days?
0: Let's see. Where do I work? I work at Veritas as the bar manager, and I've been there since... September, I was supposed to start in March, um, and then this lovely little thing called a pandemic happened, so I got to take a little nice vacation, uh, and before that, I was at uh, Commune and Giuseppe's, and before that, I was at Curio at Harvest, and then before that, I was at a sports bar called Bernard's Tavern.
2: Uh Bernard's. Right?
0: Back in the heyday, it was beautiful. I don't know what it's like anymore. I haven't been there in... Five years, but you know, I'm sure it's still good.
1: Someone at the liquor store the other day told me they have really good Reuben rolls.
0: They
2: did. They used to have bomb Reuben rolls. I loved them.
1: It was a very random yell across the casual arena liquor store.
2: My daughter and I love the stuffed jalapenos there.
1: I didn't know they had food there.
2: They had. Oh, yeah. They used
0: to have some of the best burgers in Columbus back in what, like 2011. Really? That was when I worked there, so you know that's me plugging back then.
1: I love that. So Ben, how long have you been in the industry?
0: 14 years bartending and 18 years in the service industry.
1: And you, it hasn't all been in Columbus. Is that correct?
0: That is correct. I did uh, six months in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, when I worked for Buffalo Wild Wings. I went out there as a corporate trainer, uh, and then I was supposed to bartend, but they didn't think I understood the gaming laws, which. It's very easy to understand. Um, every $20 you spend, you get a free beer at Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh. Wow. It, it was way above my head. It's um, pretty
1: hard to follow, so <laughs> I understand. Yeah,
0: I know. It can be very complex. Um, but it actually ended up working out very well because I ended up serving over like 80% of the Chamber of Commerce of Las Vegas, Nevada. And then I got recognized for excellence in service and did a little like uh, picture thing with um, I wish it was the real Elvis, but it was not. So that was fun, and then I came back home, and you know I had this little badass certificate that made everybody in Las Vegas mad at me.
1: I love that. So, what brought you back to Columbus?
0: Uh, family, okay. family brought me back to Columbus. Um, at the time, my my mom was sick, so I came home. Well, we're to happy to her. have you. Yeah, so. I'm happy to be back. It all worked out for a reason.
1: So you were at Bernard's for
0: five years. Uh, I was there. Bar manager, and at the time, cocktails weren't really taking. They were starting to take ground in Columbus, Ohio. So it was really a focus of beer, and being on the polar opposite end of bodega, my only competition was to have beers rivaling their list. So you know, on either side of the short north, you could have enjoyed some killer beers.
1: What got you into craft cocktails?
0: Uh, actually, that's a fun story. Uh, getting home late. Every night and not sleeping, I would watch um, Good Eats with Alton Brown. And then there was an infomusher show uh, that was essentially like a Diageo supported thing that took place in Colorado. And this guy had this thing called a Sugar Daddy Caddy, which is like the most wonderful name ever. I want to know
1: so much about that. It was
0: essentially like a little mini jewelry box, but each drawer had a different like ring for sugar caddies and Hmm. salt caddies and brines. It was like this weird caddy, but I just remember like. Watching him make cocktails right after watching Alton Brown like go deep into flavor profiles like I was just I could just I slowly started getting bored doing beers and shots and I would like make weird one off cocktails um, with regulars at the bar and then uh, Guildhouse opened up next door and I made the leap over there and then shortly after I got lucky and good friend Josh Rice uh, went to Portland Cocktail Week and I got to guest Barta at Curio for uh, Negroni Week.
1: How was I, that experience for you?
0: Oh, it was great. I made mean, nothing but Negronis. Yeah. Yeah
2: for for a whole week, for a whole week.
0: Yeah, that mm-hmm. was like literally, ironically, nobody ordered anything else off me but a Negroni, so I didn't like
1: Negroni week in the heyday. Used to be, wow, it was a. Oh yeah. I'm like sure. I was fine with never seeing a Negroni for months after that.
0: <laughs> it was yeah, it was a weird time. Yeah, and then I met uh, two of my. Now, dear friends and constant regulars who um, I will say will always tell a story that they advocated to hire me and told Travis that they would double their money if I came on board, and I, f- I feel like they honestly did. They <laughs> I can- they came at least like, twice a week when I was there.
1: Yeah, They actually, when Ben started, they wouldn't look at the menu anymore, even though they definitely had it memorized, and they would be like, Ben, what? What pizza are we feeling today? And whether he was right or wrong, you could read their face, but they would eat it anyways and always be so happy.
0: Yeah, Aww. I never took their order. I made their order. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, the easiest version of omakase in the entire world. <laughs> it really
2: was. That's awesome. Yeah. So,
1: Curio, yes. what was that experience like for you transferring over from a very high volume, you know, turn and burn kind of bar into? A craft cocktail bar that was definitely one of the few of its kind that Columbus has ever seen.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, At first, I was very overwhelmed. Um, I felt like I had to prove my worth to all of you. Um, You can laugh at that if you want, but I mean, you all had been working there for years or had been doing craft cocktails. I felt like I had to work twice as hard to make you guys feel like I I should even be there. And then- and then I realized like it was just one big family and then to this day it's my favorite job and if that place is still open like I don't even care if I was making $20 a day like that was the best place to be. It was, it was the truest place where I felt like I was challenged every day to do better than I did the day before and like I still move forward with that practice now making myself do better than the day before but definitely like. I know, like Chris Rock in a stand-up once said, "Like, I don't have a job; I have a career. Like, I don't go to work, and I don't hate work." And I always like when I, I, God, I would have been like twelve when that came out. Um, But I always remembered, like, that's what I wanted to do. I was just like, have a job or career where I walked in every day and I never hated two seconds of it. And that definitely was like the first time I got that taste of life.
1: I love that. I absolutely agree with that. I mean coming from somebody who worked there for six years or so, and we joke that I spent more time there than my house anywhere. I used to call it my first house. It was nice to be surrounded by a family that has also continued.
0: Oh, yeah. It was like group, group messages weekly at the minimum, <laughs> yeah. if not side, content, side, side text with Always. everybody individually.
1: So... Was it at Curio or before Curio when you started really getting into competitions? Because I know that's a big staple for you right now.
0: It is. Um, so the first one I did, um, Megan from 614 was friends with Martin Lamp, the owner of Bernard's Tavern, or one of the owners. Um, and she asked, he was like, do you want to do this? And I was like, sure. I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I would definitely say I was way, way, way underqualified to do Anything of the sort, but I did a grasshopper variation, and I served um, Lynn's white chocolate
1: got truffles with it,
0: and I got People's Choice Award. So I found out how to always win People's Choice. And we, where was that? Chocolate. Where? Yeah. Um, was that?
2: And when? What? What year are we talking about?
0: This would have been two thousand thirteen, and I think where they used to hold the
1: events. I, who th- who that's a good question. Because
0: it was on a second floor.
1: It was on a second floor, in the US. Because I
0: remember we had this story later, and you guys got <laughs> mad at me because I won. Was that one of the ones that, did it.
1: Was
2: that one of the ones upstairs at Sidebar?
0: No, no, it wasn't no. Sidebar. It was like a ho. It was like a hotel space.
2: Okay.
1: But it was. A- oh, it's gonna come to me. I
0: want it, like if you've ever been in the upstairs of the Athletic Club, it almost looked like the layout of one mm-hmm. of those rooms, but it wasn't at the Athletic Club. I wish I could remember where it was.
1: I'm That's sure hard. somebody will fill Shime us in, in, and, in. And, yeah, yeah, like if
0: you know in the comments, please leave. <laughs>
1: yeah, let us know. Because we don't.
0: Uh <laughs> I want a dartboard that year.
1: Ooh, wow. Do you still have the dartboard? I sure don't. Oh, you should have kept it.
0: I think I think my roommate my former roommate took it.
1: That checks out. That feels right.
0: Yeah, it's okay. You know, there- it's one of those things I was like, I guess if you need it, take it.
1: Right. If you're really that out for the count for a yeah. dartboard.
0: I mean, I will be honest, I am a fan of the uh, I know this is off topic, but I'm a fan more of the old school with the metal tips than the plastic darts because I tend to break those. So, and it was a plastic dartboard, mm. so I definitely broke a lot of tips. So, I was not heartbroken that it was gone.
1: Maybe he used it to make decisions.
2: Hmm.
0: Oh, that'd be good. My I'd friend like- did a Jenga board, uh, Jenga set like that once, interesting, where he wrote different outcomes on each one. So, the last one he pulled when it toppled over was. The path that he chose that evening. I might do that. It was usually involved with like a lot of drinking, but you know that
1: also checks out. That feels like was a good way to go about the night. Case race, right? At least (laughs) you're being active with it, sort of.
0: We're gonna mix it up today.
1: So, what competitions do you have you participated in, and do you participate in the most?
0: Um, Woodford Reserves Manhattan experience is probably the one I do the most um i think i've competed five or six years in it now um i've for sure gone down there twice one of the reps and i were debating because i feel like i went three times but i've gotten to louisville enough to where it kind of washes out in memory Um, but i know i've won two regional states and at least one or two um people's choice yeah. And then this nice. most recent one I lost by one point.
1: Competitions hmm. are so they're just so out of my range.
0: They are. I mean, they're they're a whole different breed and it's weird too, because yeah. like you'll you'll bartend on something that's like a th- like comes below like just above your knees is like the table you're working on. And like when you bartend, you're working almost like chest level. Mm-hmm. So it's very weird to start pouring things for people and not look like you don't know how to like control your pores because you're like <laughs> Awkwardly leaning over something.
1: So have you competed in Bombay?
0: I have competed in Bombay. I um,
1: Bombay, for anyone who isn't aware, is the most imaginative bartender and they do it worldwide, I believe.
0: Uh it is
1: It's statewide at least. It's, and then it's a
0: national competition that goes to London. Yes. Right. Uh, it goes is. worldwide. Yeah. Yes. I know beef is a worldwide competition okay. for sure. I'm sure. Bacardi USA is worldwide. Yeah, the Bacardi, Bacardi is legacy well, yeah. is worldwide. Um, but yeah, I've done Bombay Sapphire a few times. Um, the first time I did it was probably the most interesting time I ever did it. Um, Gary Hayward, which was an amazing human being to know if you ever got to meet him if you're in the industry. Um, he was one of the judges for it and Travis and I did it. This was right after I had just guest bartended at Curio, so I wasn't even uh, okay. a, a fully-fledged ma- like staff member. I still represented Curio, and I did, I did some riff on a bee's knees, uh, which is bourbon, lemon, and honey, and uh, I remember talking with Gary afterwards, and he's like, oh, so why'd you pick this with the gin, and without even, like, thinking, I was like, well, actually, I hate gin, and he just dead stared at me, and I was like, well, to be fair, when I was, like, 17, I had, like, alcohol poisoning, and, like, I've been scarred on gin for a long time. And, like, without missing a beat or making me feel like a fool for saying that to the national rep of the competition <laughs> I just <laughs> competed in, he was like, Yeah, it's like me and Jaeger. I can't, I had too many Jaeger bombs and, like, the smell of it, I'm out. And then we just, like, joked about that and then became great friends. And then moving forward to a competition that where I moved on to Detroit, I, uh, I presented and then proceeded to go to, um, uh, the two Coney restaurants in Detroit, uh, American Coney and Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Um, but we ended up buying like $100 worth so we could have a side competition with the judges and the participants to determine what we thought was the best Coney dog in Detroit.
1: <laughs> I love everything about that. Yeah. It feels very on brand for bartenders to find a way to make a whole nother competition of Coney's. And I'm bad I missed it, frankly.
0: <laughs> it was fun.
1: So... Now, once Curio, unfortunately, had its end. Yeah.
0: Sorry, side note. Travis's last night was my birthday of my 32nd.
1: (gasps) Oh, my God. That's right.
0: Best worst day ever.
1: Yeah. It was Mm -hmm. a... It
0: was a beautiful... Actually, it was like probably the most... I couldn't have asked for a better way to end it. I didn't want it to end, but like to go out on my birthday, which is what? 32 is a power number, right? I think so. Yeah, because it's like 248. 16, 20, or whatever—I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. I know I think it's a power number.
1: How was the last night of Curio?
0: Oh, it was a beast. I don't. I can only remember things when I look at pictures.
1: I absolutely that, agree with that.
0: That that night was just such a blur with so many people. So like, it was beautiful to watch the entire city come in and show its love. And in like
1: a tiny bar. In a mm-hmm. tiny
0: bar, and like they'd like filled up, and then they would leave. So the next. Like, they naturally allowed new people to come in. Like, I only think, like, a handful of people actually, like, camped for hours.
1: I remember I got stopped on my way in by a whole bunch of people that I didn't recognize. They were like, um, this is kind of a closed thing for people who know the place. And <laughs> I held my tongue very politely and just said, Get out of my way and walk <laughs> behind the bar and just started probably pouring shots as you normally do, but that was it was a madhouse, but beautiful, it was so full of love, oh
2: yeah, it was great. I enjoyed it too no, that was a beautiful evening i had um I didn't go for long, I didn't want to take up other people's space, but I went got a cocktail from Travis. I got a last word Ugh. that's a know. fitting cocktail yeah, so that's fitting. what I thought, and uh you know, saw a dozen people that I knew and then gave my space to someone else so that they could enjoy too.
1: I think it's very...
2: But it was a great evening. Yeah, it's an
1: interesting dynamic how so many people throughout the years showed up but also felt okay giving their time and being like, you know what? I spent my time, time for someone else. Most people generally can be not necessarily selfish but almost like get lost in their nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And not want to leave. Or I not it's... even
0: like think about it. they're just like, Oh, it's Absolutely. the last time I get to hang out here, so like let me like Soak BS it in. with the bartenders mm-hmm. or something.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, there wasn't time for that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I don't I think I think I honestly said like other than taking orders, I think I honestly said a hundred words that entire night. Like wow. There was not a lot there was not time to talk. Yeah. It's ironic that you asked me about um going from a high volume bar to um, the most efficient high volume cocktail (laughs) bar I've ever been in for as small as
2: it was. Yeah, I wondered that because it always seemed high volume, even Mm -hmm. though it was so tiny, it was always busy. It
0: was meticulous, like behind the bar, everything was meticulously laid out. And that's like when I first started, it was like there were a few like seven touch cocktails, Mm. but by the end, if it could be put into a bottle Sands like juice and sugar, it was in the bottle Mm -hmm. ready to go. Like the kegs had like the bitters already put on them. Everything was like everything was designed for no finishing, like,
2: yeah, no, no fooling around. Dilute, make it cold, Mm -hmm. serve it, go.
1: I think that one of the biggest things, and correct me if I'm wrong, from working there was actually how to blend high volume and very meticulous craft cocktails yeah and i know that you and i both definitely adapted that process into everything else we do with batching and whatnot and we're still arguing with people about why it's okay to batch your cocktails yeah nobody wants to wait six minutes for a drink and if you do Mm -hmm. i hope you're doing it Mm -hmm. because they are busy as all hell
2: or because it can't be batched right Which is okay. And
1: that's fine.
0: But I mean, even if you look at like Death & Co or anybody in New York, or Dead Rabbit, like they have cheater bottles with mm-hmm. like at least malt, some varying number of ingredients mixed together already for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, go someplace like Nightjar in London or something where like I would wait 10 minutes for a drink because their presentation of the drink is worth the wait. Like I've never had a cocktail there, so I can't speak on what they are. They always look delicious, but... Their presentation is something that, like, is just something I wish I could do and dedicate. Like, I could get away in Columbus for being like, I can make your cocktail in under a minute and a half. I am a very fast bartender, but, like, <laughs> give me five more minutes to give you the most beautiful thing you've ever mm-hmm. seen.
1: So, what's your favorite bar in the whole wide world?
0: Are we talking dive bar?
1: We'll do both, we'll do cocktail bar and dive bar.
0: Hmm. Dive bar for me uh, is going to be right by my house, Fairweather's uh, Cocktail and Spirits. I
1: thought you were going to say Motor City Wine.
0: No. That is a very good one in Detroit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, see, now you're making me like bounce over I know. i But I'm going to stick to what's close to home. I get um, like that. They have like a mini dance floor, pool table, darts. Uh, they have tables that look like they were explicitly designed for card games. Ooh. Uh, where like you have a little coaster here and like
1: mm-hmm. another
0: thing here, but like you're Cued into the seats, and it's like an octagon shape.
1: Oh, I like that. Um,
0: but every shot you get there gets slowly bigger, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I like it.
1: That's the good <laughs> definition of a dive bar. You know,
0: every time you order the same shot, it's just bigger pours. Um, cocktail bar. If I was, if I was gonna like just go for aesthetics of a bar, Bad Luck in Detroit is like beautiful. I think they have some overpriced concepts, um, but just. The way the bar is laid out no. and how it's organized is absolutely beautiful. Um, there's like a little speakeasy in LA off the Sunset Strip. I really wish I could remember the name, but you walk through this deli, and it is like when I walked in, I was like, this is like if Curio was like brick wall inside and there was enough room for like a piano.
1: Interesting. And then
0: I'd have to say silver dollar in Kentucky. Not mm. for the reasons you would think, like the cocktails are great, but I think I love it because every time I've gone there, they've let me hop the bar and play records.
1: Yeah, mm. that's and, absolutely true. And
0: like to have that experience where they're like,
2: cool, you, you have good music taste go. And, go and for music. me, that's one of the best brunches in the city. Oh, in Louisville for sure. Uh,
1: it is just such an adorable bar. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like every time I'm there, it's for a good reason and I always leave much happier.
2: And let's not forget six pages of bourbons. Yeah, no, that yeah. never
1: hurts. <laughs> <Yeah>, that's <laughs> it's never a rough. No,
0: album. I mean if we we're just gonna say best whiskey in Columbus or Ohio, I mean a lot of a lot of people think Century Bar, but I'll put I'll put wings against that every day. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that that scotch list is just the most beautiful thing in the yeah. entire
1: world. Century used to have before they became very public. Used to have a phenomenal list, and everything was very cheap. It's a good hometown hero for me back when you could smoke cigarettes inside bars, um, which I did. And now they're very well-known, very famous, and that's amazing. But Wings still has – I will agree with that
0: a 1,000%. I think they're the only place that actually still has birthday bourbons from previous years. I know. Mm -hmm. Which always amazes me that, like, can you just somehow, like, micromanages and um. Kenny's such a
2: great guy oh yeah no
0: he's the best him and Woody I love both Mm -hmm. of them I I can't speak for I honestly would love to say anything else about any other bartenders or staff there but they're the only two who have ever served me when I'm Mm -hmm. there so I can't speak on behalf of anybody else but those two make me happy and I'm a Mm -hmm. big like a big fanatic of Cheers yeah Uh, like I love that show and I've probably watched it like 11 times um because it is a concept that always like baffled my mind. Of like, I'm gonna make the most classic cocktails in the entire world, but I'm also just gonna be this like barnyard buster disaster in house experience. I'm like, that is what a real restaurant is like. Yeah. Minus maybe including the entire patronage to help you solve your problems. hmm
1: It's usually the other way around. Yeah. But also, I very much so wings. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first moved here, and I was like, "Where's where do you get a good, like, really good pour for like a decent price? They were like, well, you're going to have to get some really good shitty, but shitty Chinese food with it, too, like the most Americanized. <laughs> so I was like, nothing you're saying sounds bad to me. And I went there, and I was like, this is everything I wanted. Just right on the outskirts of Bexley.
2: So speaking of TV shows, mm-hmm. I know that I read maybe a year ago that you had started a TV show. I did. what what happened with that Tell uh, us so about
0: it. so there is a there's a online cocktail competition um sean ford um put this and he's still i think if i'm correct in my updates on it i'm like jumping around a little bit but i think they got signed to somebody i'm not sure who okay. or he's still working on it being signed um but
2: and sean is in cleveland
0: sean is in cleveland okay um But him and a few of his friends put together this concept for like a chop style competition um, where you use bar products, obviously. So it's sponsored and then it's highlighting. It highlights um, tools that you can use behind the bar. So I know like one time we used a loose bag and one time we used um, like an aerator foamer um, for like essentially like an egg white cocktail. Um, But then, yeah, so you like and we had our judges and I had Kevin Bloodsoe. He does like barbecue in Texas and LA. Okay. Um, DJ Hurricane, who's a DJ for the Beastie Boys, and uh, I believe it was Molly Wellerman of Cincinnati was the other judge. Um, and then yeah, so you just like competed, and it was it was very fun. And I'm not spoiling anything behind like reality TV shows or anything, but it was it was weird that like they want they guided me in a direction that's not who I am because i was the oldest one so i was like perceived as like the veteran and like had to fight to prove myself and like reality i just wanted to be like everybody's gonna do well <laughs> but they're like what would you say till i'm know?" so it's like very weird for me to be like feisty that's funny because i was
2: just always so like, is it going forward or uh so you think it
0: has been signed i think i think it has been signed i think I think it will come out sometime in the next year and a half and i know like i was part of the pilot um and i know without spoiling anything win or lose i'm not saying i did Mm -hmm. either um Mm -hmm. but i know i was asked for possible future endeavors with that show once it does take off awesome so i would love that very much but it was fun it was weird it was like a three-year process it was supposed to happen then it didn't happen because they were they had signed they were going to sign a contract with somebody who was like clearly trying to just uh take advantage of them for money oh and it was like we get all these percentages and like you're gonna essentially it was like you're gonna make like 15 percent of nothing so they're like we're, we'll find somebody else to like support this and that's what like held everything up got it but it was real cool to meet or um it was real cool to meet Molly, Kevin, and Hurricane.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like of all people, I would be like, "Yeah, you'd be good on a TV show." <laughs>
0: I mm-hmm. auditioned once for Real World way back in the day. <laughs> Can you, and,
1: you tell me everything about that process? <laughs> <laughs> I am, sure, it was, it I would was, also like to know the time frame because I was 19. Amazing. The okay.
0: thing was at. God, kind of what bar would that have been? It's not. It's uh, Big Bar now. But it was something else way back in the day, um, Piani or something like that. Okay. Um, but that's where the interviews were for it, and we essentially had like a group control room where they asked questions and what you would do, and if you'd backstab somebody. And it was that same thing where I was yeah. like, I can't, I can't be mean to people I don't know. It's just not in me. Um, not yeah, even so I money. went in and they asked questions, and they're like, but- so like, what would you do? And I was like, I'd probably be the guy that walked around naked a lot.
1: <laughs> okay, but that still makes good TV, and that's very true for you.
0: It is very true yeah. for me. Um, it didn't work. I had a, I had a brown leather jacket. I pretty much dressed as like Fez. I walked in looking like Fez. I had this sweet brown leather coat, brown corduroys on.
1: Brown corduroys? Oh, yeah. Amazing
0: something you've never seen me in since then.
1: But I, I tried real
0: hard to look like a gimmick. I think I had like a uh, like a Hawaiian shirt on underneath. I tried to stand out. I was like going cross Tyler Durden Fez. Ooh,
1: okay. Hmm. Did you consider an accent? Like what was gonna be your special piece of flair besides obviously your
0: running around naked.
1: Well yeah, but that's just normal for you. So That
0: is true. Um I, that's why I didn't get it. I didn't have anything prepared. I yeah. thought it was just like I thought like Cause you know, like when they used to show like the people who applied, they just did like weird little promo videos, mm-hmm. like they're like a professional wrestler or something, kind of yeah. promo. That's what I thought I was gonna have to do, so I was just gonna wing it. But then they're when they're just like, raise your hand if you would do this or that, and I'd be like, oh, I wouldn't do either of those. Man, I was like, I can't legally drink on the show, so I can't like raise my hand saying I'm gonna get sloppy drunk and like oh, sleep yeah. with a co-housemate or whatever.
1: Man. Your life would have been so different if you would have made it onto the real world.
0: Yeah.
1: At 19.
0: Ironically, that that show was the year where that dude ran up and punched that one girl through the car window. That was the year I would have been on there, I think.
1: That could have been you. If you would have just showed a little bit more aggression and been been, like, you know what I'm going to do.
0: I can be punched in the face by an angry man.
1: Oh, I'm glad you took it the other way. I was like, yeah, you can punch somebody. You wouldn't, but I mean- Fake it till you make it. Get on the show.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> try again. I think in all the times I've kicked people out, I've never thrown a punch. Me neither. I've 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 been swung on a lot, but mm-hmm. never thrown a punch.
1: Yeah. I'm oh just, yeah. I'm just
0: like a monkey grappler. Just climb on your back until you lose balance, and then hope somebody else helps me drag you out.
1: I cannot wait to hear about your bars kickout stories because I feel like really just through all the years, you've probably had some good,
0: good
2: and bad.
1: Yeah, they're never know. fun. no it's not a fun experience
2: well then this might be the place where we stop take a break you make us a cocktail sounds good what what are you planning to make for us um i'm going to make a clarified jungle bird um that's been uh milk washed all right well we'll take a break we'll be right back with a clarified jungle bird
1: And we're back with Ben's version of a jungle bird. Ben, would you like to explain what you did to this cocktail and what makes it special?
0: Yes. So, a jungle bird, if you're unfamiliar, is um, blackstrap rum, kimpari, pineapple juice, lime, and sugar. Um, and I milkwashed it, which was popularized by Ben Franklin, of all people. Um, I believe his first one included port and black tea and lemon. Hmm. Um, but the idea is that it removes a lot of the astringent qualities of a cocktail. Um, So, it just makes it very smooth and then also just provides this like very whey, creamy mouthfeel to the
1: cocktail.
2: Well, cheers. Cheers.
1: Cheers. Cheers. Well, this is actually one of my favorite cocktails in general. And I love a good milk wash on anything. So, double whammy. What really gets it so interesting, I love it, is the color. Yeah. Traditionally with the Campari coming through it would be very bright red and it almost has like a very light almost like a Chardonnay color to it.
0: It does. It look it um it looks, it smells and looks like a pineapple gummy bear. Mm-hmm. Mm. And tell me again the ingredients? It is um blackstrap rum, mm-hmm. Campari, pineapple juice, lime juice and sugar. So the natural That's color awesome. is like um almost burgundy. Blood, like a dark blood, burgundy mm-hmm. color.
2: Yeah, and this is kind of coming out looking like uh, Blanco Vermouth.
0: Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
2: or a very, very light white wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, I love that. Did you do you have this on a multiple rotational menu or?
0: Um, so this one I had actually. Um, made for my own pleasure. But at Veritas right now, I have a variation for our Italian menu using uh, Averna Amaro and uh, Agnister Amaro in replacement of the blackstrap rum. Uh, yes. And it is
2: just a wonderful flavor. So what profile. does the milk washing do that like changes that mouthfeel so much?
0: Uh, so when, it, when the acid curdles, it um, removes uh, the tannic, Qualities and the astringency of bold flavors. Um, so it just creates everything. It allows everything to just become smooth and you can taste the profile for what it is, as opposed to like an over dominating feature. Cause like I can still slightly taste the black strap rum, but mm-hmm. it's not something that like overpowers or you're like, that is definitely like a funky style rum or like even the Campari, it's so tame. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel like milk washing is like the dirty secret way to trick people into trying things that they would like be afraid of because yeah. the flavors are so controlled and muted.
1: Mm-hmm. It. I mean, and it does, it gives off a very creamy texture while also mm-hmm. still being very light, palatable, easy to drink on all fronts.
0: The only downside to it is, is um, as you heard uh, when I was stirring, I didn't stir for as long as I normally would for, I mean, I stirred about five cocktails for just a handful of seconds um because it's 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 shelf stable once it's milk washed and you only really just need to chill it uh it is also a lot more boozy because the dilution doesn't exist as much um because if you over if you actually put the proper dilution in it would just you would lose all the like fra- flavor profile and it'd just be this thin
1: mm-hmm.
2: creamy mouthfeel so how do you know how long to stir then um How do you know when it's diluted enough? Uh,
0: For the milk wash or just in general? In general.
2: Um,
0: The best way to do it is to look at your uh, mixing glass and feel it as well. Um, When it feels like it has a cool temperature of the desired temperature you're trying to reach. um, You can see like frosting on the glass. Mm -hmm. Like if if you shake something like the steel tin, like it's a frost coat on it, like you're mixing glass will start to like sweat and like glisten Mm -hmm. over like a frost layer and that's usually like right where you want that's enough Mm -hmm. got it um and then also if you if you if you don't know like the safest way is always like 20 revolutions uh is a very safe way to go about stirring and then for your own take as an individual when you're making a cocktail at home if you need it more diluted just keep stirring if you need less it's kind of realized over time too it's kind of more a personal thing because you could line up 20 bartenders with the exact same ingredients to make the exact same Manhattan and they'll all slightly taste different even if you were to put every single ingredient into the mixing glass mm-hmm. hmm. and it's just all like people's natural like finesse touches it's like a chef plating something like as time goes on they get a feel for how things should look and how warm the plate should mm-hmm. be when it goes out and whatnot. Just mm-hmm. those minute details just kind of like come to you over time.
1: So I know my Manhattan's are generally a little bit hotter, a little bit spicier, but mm-hmm. that's again due to my personal preference. Yeah,
0: it's one of those things too where you like look at it in two ways. You're like, this is my target reach, but it doesn't fill the glass. Mm-hmm. So then you you like have to make that mental note of like. Do I serve it where it looks like I shorted you, but in reality, like you're getting it the way I, I want you to have it? Or do you appease the person and fill the glass to the brim and like compromise the integrity of the cocktail? Mm-hmm. And the answer is honestly like the compromise in between the two. Yeah. It's probably like the perfect mass mass mm-hmm. version of the drink.
1: So, Ben, we worked together for quite a few years at Curio. Yes, we were. We've had many stories together. What would your favorite story to bounce back and share be that's appropriate for the I was gonna podcast. say what is,
0: what is the <laughs> appropriate
2: level of this podcast? It it we always rate it explicit, so you can say whatever you want. <laughs> okay. So
1: I hate that you said that. <laughs> I know where this is going. This goes back into kicking people out story, isn't it?
0: This is like a this is yeah. probably the only time I actually failed at kicking somebody out story. All right. Um oh, Lindsay had now. just taken over manager for uh Curio and she was done. Annie, myself, and Cade were working behind the bar, and this woman comes up to the bar and she's sitting there and she was supposed to, I think she was supposed to have a, a like a blind date, a tender date or something. She
1: had a date at Harvest that started at four. Okay, yeah. And they drank through two bottles of wine and no one at Harvest let the people at Curio know that On this casual Wednesday, she wasn't the most sober. Continue.
0: Oh yeah, so she she comes up to the bar, and Annie and I are like, "Well, let's give you some water, and like, we'll look over the menu together, trying to like buy some time to figure out what was going on." Um, And then she proceeded to uh, invite me to stop working and go home with her, Mm. and I said, "No, thank you." Um, And then. Lindsay was just being a sweet human being, was just coming in to have a drink and like go over some work or something, and happens to sit right next to this woman by chance. And then this woman tries to befriend her. Lindsay goes and smokes a cigarette. She ends up drinking all of Lindsay's drink. Oh, <laughs> it's still um, light
1: not... outside, you guys, in case that. Oh, yeah, this good... is about 6.30 <laughs>
0: in yeah. the summer.
1: She had a date, and there was a back door at Curio. And when the date said he was going to the restroom, oh, that's right. He just he did. walked out the back door, oh, shit. and because that's... she was, and we were like, "Oh, this <laughs> poor girl, that is awful." And then, well, guys, it turns out she he was right was not one of our <laughs> favorite people, but she is still a favorite person to talk about.
0: Yeah, um, Continue. I don't really know. I don't know how it jumped as far as it did.
1: It escalated quickly.
0: It escalated very quickly to the point that um, Lindsay was called "stank puss," oh. <laughs> and I was, uh, I was, I was referenced as "I want to smell the base of your cock because you're a cock muncher."
1: Mm-hmm. How does it taste? Is what she just kept yelling in curio. Huh
2: yeah right and interesting oh again, and it gets better you guys oh it gets better it gets yeah better. we're
1: not done guys this so, is just the tip so of the nice work
0: so so now it's dark now we're at like nine o'clock
2: okay. oh i thought you were talking about the conversation
1: it, but it's well, also that's physically too. that dark. is well yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, it, oh
2: like yeah no sorry we're like,
1: about to nose dive gang we're uh, not even there yet
2: sean ward
0: shows up yeah and he thinks that we are mishandling this person in the worst way possible by just trying to get her to get in a cab and go home like we have all offered she won't leave with the only way she'll leave is if one of us goes home with her she's not going home solo on this date night of hers
1: a cab driver walked her i told her if she was gonna drive i have to call the police because that's irresponsible on everyone's part and just don't call a cab the cab comes she says something horrible to the driver Well, I'm trying to manage my first night off in, like, weeks. I'm like, this is who I'm dealing with right now. Great. The cab driver is so frustrated with her that he actually walks her to her car, opens it, and yells something along the lines of, I hope you do end up dying, and tries to put her in to where we all pick her up out of the car. She's not a very big girl. She's, like, my size. And, like, bring her back. So then Sean Ward gets involved.
0: Um... And he says we're being out of line, and then she goes on the parade again about Stink Puss and Cock Muncher being Lindsay and I. And
2: <laughs> uh,
0: Sean's like, Sean gets another cat or Uber to come. He's like, I'll get her in the Uber and I'll tell the Uber driver I'm hopping out around the block and you just keep driving. That was like his plan, was just to like dine and dash the Uber ride with her. Um But I don't think that worked. I actually think he had to end up following her home.
1: No. No? No. She wanted me to go home with her, because at this point, she decided we were in love. That's um, true. It got it got and warm I, and heartfelt
0: towards the end. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I was like, oh, let me go get my bag. So then I hid in the tiny curio closet um, that was actually a trap door to the basement. And I just stood there until Sean walked her in. And then they sat at a high top. And then I didn't know what else to do besides call the police. You basically
2: to- did what her date had done yeah. earlier.
1: Except I didn't go out the right door. I went into a door that I couldn't go out the other side. Oh my god! I, I forgot about the police. I was trapped inside, and then the police came, and I like identified her, and they weren't gonna arrest her. They were just taking her home, and the last little treat of her was the cops being like, "Can we see your ID so we can take you to your proper address?" And she was like, "Is this has this been your plan the whole time?" And I was like, "I mean, like, kind of at this point, yeah." And then she just turns to me and just starts screaming in front of the cops, we could have been something. And I was like, I don't know your name. And I am horrified of you as a person. <laughs> and then so she was like, arrest me. And they were like, for the like the ninth time, we are not arresting you. We just want to get you home safe. And I think this was like Annie's third night working at Curio. I didn't know what was happening at this point. And that was probably... One of the stories that never died for years.
2: That's a great story. Yeah.
1: And again, you guys, it was like a Tuesday and, or a Wednesday, and I had to be like, hey, German Village is trying to sleep. Can you stop <laughs> yelling Cock Muncher and Stank Puss in the streets right now? Because they also echo. <laughs> like, this is horrible. Didn't you try
0: and take one of the police officers home? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> After that, she. Of course. <laughs> when she realized she wasn't getting arrested. It was also cold out. She took her jacket off and started pulling her shirt down and was like, well, I'll make this worth your while. And they were like, oh my god, no, what is happening? And I just said, thank you, officers. Have a wonderful night. And went inside and locked the doors because I hated everything. (laughs)
0: That was a good night.
1: Uh, Then she, Yeah, she came in about seven months later, and she sat in my well. And all of us just, it was a Friday night, and all of us just froze. And I was like, you. Guys, stank puss is here because like that's just who she was. Didn't recognize any of us. She was still like kind of a bitch, but at the same point, we were like, do we bring it up? Do we ask if she went on a second date with that guy? Like, where do we go here?
0: I was not into being called cock muncher again.
1: I mean, also same. I mean, wasn't my
0: stank puss and cock muncher like they're fine names in all the right ways, but. (laughs) In a bar environment, they get weird. I remember, I remember one time there was an inappropriate comment made across the bar. Um, this woman used to come in. Oh my I God. will not say her name, um, but she used to come in, and she would always drink um, a type of rum and a diet coke. Um, she and, was
1: here on business too.
0: Yeah, and she was a student, um, but she came in a lot, like every every week on a Thursday, and then the regulars I talked about earlier had come up. And they're like, how's your girlfriend? And she screams across the bar, you have a girlfriend? And I was like, yeah, I do. I've been with her for like a year and a half. And without missing a beat, she just screams, now who am I supposed to masturbate to? And I was like, well. Again, this
1: was it was still light outside you guys. (laughs) This is like six o'clock.
0: So we've been open for an hour. (laughs) Yeah. The only response I could give, I was like, well, you can masturbate to whoever you want. You can still dream about me. (laughs) Knock yourself out.
1: That was um, weird. The amount of times, like, I have big rules on, listen, guys, when it's light outside, like, can we just tell it? Once it gets dark, sure. Do you? I don't care.
0: When Wu-Tang comes on, say what you
1: Yeah, want. when Wu-Tang comes on, or Tribe, or, <laughs> you know, Digable Planets, anything like that, I'm like, cool, great. But if we have Etta James playing, and you're going to yell we're these things- We're still on the
2: jazz playlist. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep it cool. We're
1: easing in, gang. We're all just drinking our, like, fourth <laughs> cup of coffee for the day, which- for most people, it would be their normal first.
0: Yeah, was, but, that was definitely our like espresso shot before the shift mm-hmm. time yet.
1: Ben also one time got our favorite Yelp review of all time. It was a, <laughs> it was a, the most sensual Yelp review. Hmm.
0: Um. So there's As a, a spite.
1: So it what? was.
0: A, it was a spite. It was a spite Yelp review, not against me, against her brother. Her brother. I'm assuming he had a crush on me, like the way a six-year-old girl treats a boy that she likes, like how they're just overtly like mean and harassing them and picking on them. Um, but he brought his sister in and she wasn't having the way he was talking to me. So she wrote a Yelp review saying that I fulfilled her every desire and my cocktails were the most erotic cocktails in the That's entire nice. world. And if you've ever had anything of a better of experience, you are wrong. Huh. Mm-hmm. Essentially, is what it was,
1: and as the family, five stars, yeah, <laughs> it
0: was a five star review. As
1: the family that we were, and could not stop making fun of each other, we brought that up at least every other day for maybe a year. I think
0: my fa- <laughs> I think my favorite thing about that is starting um, dragging
1: other people into it who had no idea, innocent bystanders.
0: Yeah, I think my favorite thing about that was there was a post where Stephanie from Harvest had made a comment back right when it had happened and a post got a like or something so she got like notified about that update and she looked back at her comment and she was like I have no idea how drunk was I was like no 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 you were referencing that Yelp review she's like I forgot about that Yelp review (laughs) 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 Uh, what a time it was a good time
1: All right. well we can't end this interview without discussing one of our first big family trips together Maker's Mark
0: oh yeah that was a very good trip We went down there, so it was a whole curio crew. Um, Rebecca Monday was in Dublin at the time, and then it was uh, Matt Torsha, his wife, and Chris Crater all went down, Um, went to dinner the first night. um, Ate up? Ate up, that's right, thank you. And I just remember getting completely inebriated on Manhattan's before we even sat down to dinner at the Little like side bar where they had like special cocktails for us. Um and then we proceeded to probably drink a bottle there. Yeah. Hmm. And then we had an amazing dinner and then we proceeded to go on Well then a- we
1: all remember that the 4 a.m. rule existed. Oh yeah. And it was a Sunday night so what else were we going to do? Uh we
0: went we went to a bourbon bar of all places.
1: We did, and Ben and I were very sober when we decided to split a two hundred dollar, not even full ounce pour. No, it was a
0: one ounce pour. It
1: was it was a full one ounce. Well, that's one good. ounce. One ounce better. pour
0: was a Jefferson's Reserve twenty four year.
1: Yeah, I don't remember how it tasted. Um, I just <laughs> I remember, remember my credit card statement the next day being like, "Ooh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was
0: a price." We boy. felt good. <laughs> it was the only time in my life. I think one ounce lasted an hour and a half. Yeah. Um. But yeah so we got very very hammered very hungover um,
1: for that 730 a.m bus call
2: yeah um, and then you go to the distillery and then and we
0: and then, then we, we went to, to, to the, the distillery. distillery however um, Lindsay didn't show up on time and while we tried to rescue her to come down she told us to fuck off mm-hmm. yeah um, <laughs> And it was magical- really good
1: leadership. Uh, and then magically showman. showed
0: up, anyways. Like as she she essentially like made it seem like she was on her own personal phone, telling us to fuck off. But she was from the hotel room. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, it was really sober at that point, still.
0: And then we and then we, so we drive to Maker's Mark. We're all very rough in the morning. Um, I think we just ate like what like bag packaged donuts or something mm-hmm. like nothing substantial. Um, and then we get there, and the first thing they put in our mouths at like eight thirty in the morning is uh, white. white white lightning. Um, yeah, straight. hot. Because like when you walk, hot if you've ever lightning. been to Maker's Mark, when you walk in, like they have, like their still is just running through like the main entrance, and so you can like stick a cup in and pull out the whiskey as it runs through. And so they just oh god to kick off the day, we had some white lightning. Good morning.
1: It still makes me cringe because I remember all of us looked at each other there. They were so excited to give us this private tour because we were gonna be doing the private barrel pick and all of us were just like, no way get that out of my face. <laughs> Somebody's throwing up right now. This is gonna be rough and this is very unprofessional. So I think we all ended up just taking a rip of it and being like, No, well, I was
0: gonna say, I think I was very much mm-hmm. in the aspect of this sucks, but it's the best hair of the dog. Yeah, I think hair of the dog at have. that point. Um so yeah, we did that and then we had a beautiful tour. We had like a little packaged lunch in their like little top four loft area.
1: Oh yeah, that was beautiful. Uh, and
0: then we went to their private room thing and I remember I hadn't smoked cigarettes in years and I remember I was begging anybody to have a cigarette and everybody was actually out of cigarettes at the time. So hmm. it was an interesting time. And then, and then we went to the private room, which was the most beautiful room I've ever seen of. Whiskey bottles displayed with like weird things that look like clocks that weren't clocks, and um, just clear glass panels. And like you could see the cave where like they get their water from in the background. Oh,
2: it
1: was hmm. beautiful until we were trapped in there with For- what felt like days.
0: Yeah. So they essentially gave us a bunch of staves to add to the blend. So they gave us like, here's one that's more oaky, here's one that has like a higher vanilla content, and so have you. And then we were blending them and we split up into two groups uh, and we essentially all were making the exact same thing with like one one barrel pick different each time. Um, and we were getting nowhere and we kept voting. We traded groups. Um, I think I was definitely in the aspect of like gung ho on like this is the one I'm not changing it. So I just st- stuck to drinking all the whiskey in front of me. <laughs> um And then I think we like we kept drawing and then
1: kept trying. And we took one break and all of us walked outside. Mind you, don't forget that we're all very hungover. Now we're sweating out the booze. The room's kind of hot and it's just like gross and muggy out. We walk outside like we had been in a dungeon for weeks. (laughs) Like this was the first fresh air any of us had seen. I'm pretty sure like three people fell to their knees got very dramatic, and we all knew that we'd have to go back in that fucking room to pick one one situation. We just had to come to an agreement.
0: Yeah. Um, so we didn't. So we tried, and then inevitably we all felt like we picked one that we agreed on, and then um, the owner of Harvest Pizzeria, Chris Crater, um, decided he liked one more um, that him- he he had like tried earlier and liked, and so that was what it was. So when we left the room, it felt very, it felt very strange to like put a lot of effort into something to only find out that like we essentially suffered through tasting hours. whiskey, hung over, um,
1: hours for
0: for not what we all wanted wholeheartedly. Um, but then the kicker was was we had to drive home that day.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, shit.
2: Uh, yeah. So were we three and a half hours home from Loretto.
1: Yeah. We <sighs> weren't done yet. And now we're like, everyone's in this mix of like, what did, did we eat? Does anybody have more chips? What's going on with those cigarettes? <laughs> like, there was just so much trash happening amongst these people that the drive home was like, when your parents get divorced, but then your parents multiply, and you're all stuck in the car with them. Everyone's yeah. fighting. Everyone hates each other. Yeah,
0: it'd be, like, it'd be like if you were on a road trip home from like, uh, Mount Rushmore, and as you're leaving Mount Rushmore, they go, we're getting a divorce, and then, and then just, just, just don't talk there. the rest of the way home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with no explanation, no nothing. You're just sitting there with, in your own thoughts. Half the people in the van kept saying they're going to throw up every two minutes, (laughs) and they were all right behind me, so it was um, very misfortunate. Um,
1: There was an actual screaming match about the air conditioning. There was. um, It was, can you please turn on the air conditioning? If you turn on the air conditioning, I will stab you and then kick you out of this car, I swear to God. And don't worry, guys, it didn't stop there. Ten minutes later, it was like, yo, but could we really get that air conditioning on?
0: Or roll a window anything and then and then you and rebecca were watching uh the netflix no you're watching the netflix lemony snicket
1: yeah i gave up on everyone yeah you were
0: just you were zoned out and i was just stuck in like
1: i just watched a series of unfortunate events i forgot i've ever watched that because i don't remember that day
0: they didn't even play music on
2: the way home for like yeah, over half you the guys. Ride. We
1: sat in silence for four it hours.
2: Seems, it seems fitting for the day, though, <laughs>
1: yeah, to be
2: was, watching that.
1: Yeah, I was like, this is fine. At I know. I, I kept. I friends. kept
2: like. I
0: had. I had watched the movie with Jim Carrey, so I just like peek over the like, because it was those nine person bands, you know. So it's like you have two, then like the two that you could squeeze three, and the two you could squeeze three, and then like the, the weird four person back or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I was like. The four people that I wanted to throw up were all right behind me, I was, like, that <laughs> far back. But Lindsay was right in front of me, so I just kept trying to like watch her phone. And I don't know if she knew or not, but she kept turning it away every time I could see something.
1: Oh, I didn't know. So I think I was trying I, to like, stay my, awake, and I was like, because my phone enough. was
0: dead, so my only source of oh. entertainment was was like looking over at Cade, who was asleep. <laughs> you and Rebecca were in front. Travis was just zoned. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Travis,
0: Travis was in his own like um. I'm in my own world on my phone. Like, I just
1: want to get home. We got dropped off at harvest in German village and I would put money down that no one said anything to each other besides, where's my bag? And then we all just walked away.
0: Yeah, because our bags were in we left random bags inside Kiri and locked yeah. them Yeah. So we all walked in, grabbed yeah. them and yeah. departed. Like we for didn't the say
1: goodbye to each other. We were just like, <sighs> like I think we awesome got home trip. at like
0: we got <laughs> yeah. home at like eleven o'clock at night on Monday. Yeah. And started at 7 AM hungover.
1: On like two hours of sleep, because we all decided to drink heavily the night before. And that's what happens when you take a whole bunch of bartenders to a barrel pick on somebody else's dime, you guys. It is a <laughs> questionable time. It was a great time. Yeah, and then the barrels came in, and we were like, because we all got to sign every bottle. Oh, no. Or, I remember now. And we were all like searching for our bottles. And and then after that, we just we kept the one barrel pick that Curio all made that did not get approved, and we just tucked it into Curio, and we're like, "You will forever be our golden child." And I don't know if we ever drink it.
0: No, I I think I took it. I support that. I think I took it on the last day <laughs> to make Good sure it didn't go to waste. Yeah. Good. No, I remember. Tra- I remember now. Travis rode with Joe Rosman on the way back home because I wrote <laughs> down with Bacano, Alex Bacano, who's a beam, oh, yeah. beam ambassador at the time, and then. I couldn't get in either car on the way home, and that was all I can him for, and I couldn't get it.
1: God, what a what a trip.
0: It was a good time. It was really a great food, time. Really good experience. Love Maker's Mark.
1: Just a blast. Maker's Mark is beautiful. Yeah, I think,
0: I think my favorite thing I ever got to do with Maker's Mark was, uh, I know this is like, I know time's wrapping up, but my favorite thing was like the Flavors Nations thing they did at the convention center a few years ago, where they did all 50 states like, the food of the state, and it was all the Oh, that's like, neat. It was neat, except Ohio got Buckeyes. Okay. Um, because I'm sure you guys want to be known for our food scene as, for the state of just making chocolate and peanut butter. Right.
1: Honestly, I'm surprised it wasn't like a crock pot recipe.
0: I was I was like, oh, I <laughs> bet it's something corn. That. Oh,
1: that <laughs> makes soy sense Or soybeans.
0: Like, what yeah. do you grow a lot of? Nope, chocolate and peanut butter. I was going to say buffalo chicken dip. Um, but it was cool, but I did like a lot of like- um. I did like presentations and like uh, brought people up and did like your own like I'll teach you, I'll bring you up and I'll tell you how to make the drink so oh, like that's you sit there and go through and make it that's cool yeah it was it was a fun time
1: makers has always been a really good support they did yeah. did a toys for tots for a event that we all hosted at Little Rock one year for all weekend yeah you're great partners
0: that was your pop up yeah I remember that Whip I remember, I, remember yeah. I just switched to drinking. whatever you infuse with pine needles mm-hmm. I remember I just was drinking that straight. Because I could get that faster than a cocktail. Mm -hmm. You guys would just throw it at me. Mm -hmm. That was a great night. Oh,
1: that was a (sighs) hefty night.
0: That's for another podcast. (laughs) I'm still tired (laughs)
1: from thinking about that, but yeah. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. This thank you for having me. An absolute blast! And thank you guys for letting me guest host. I've had Absolutely. It, the best time.
2: Thank you both for coming on the show. Yeah, anytime. Cheers. 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 Listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cbus Craft Cocktail Tour, and visit our website at columbuscraftcocktailtour dot com for cocktail tour dates, women and whiskey tastings, and other events and merchandise. Thanks to our producer, Greg Hansberry, and to the biographer for our original music. Please remember to drink responsibly, tip appropriately, and be cocktail curious. Cheers! This has been a Last Call Productions production.